It's been great to have uh, Christian around, our new seminarian that will be with us for the next two years. As I mentioned last week, uh, at the end of this Mass, he'll have an opportunity to introduce himself. But it's been good having him around the rectory the last two weekends as well. I keep, I always keep um, some cookie dough ice cream always in the freezer with, you know, big letters on there that says, for Father Mark only. Well, last week, I found out that uh, Christian ate it. <laughs> I, haven't confronted, I haven't confronted him about it yet. I, I, don't, I don't intend to even, but I just wanted all of you to know, okay? <laughs> that didn't happen, right? They didn't have, you know, I usually keep cookie dough ice cream in the freezer, but not the last two weekends, right? Christian is not an ice cream stealer. But we do that kind of thing all the time. Gossip, detraction, say things that harm someone else's reputation. You know, it's a silly example what I just used. But using a silly example is not the worst thing because even the smallest of things, when we do do that, even if it's small, even if it's silly, it can really cut someone's heart. It can really damage and tarnish their reputation. The next three weeks, we're going to look at sins that perhaps we've, perhaps we engage in our, we've engaged in our entire lives, but never really given them consideration. Right, right, we think of and we confess sins like lust or stealing. We accuse ourselves of those. But these three sins, we very rarely consider them. We very rarely accuse ourselves of them. And because of that, it does a lot of damage. It does a lot of damage to our relationships. It does a lot of damage to us living in community. It does a lot of damage just to ourselves and us maintaining, maintaining peace of soul. And that is this week, gossip, next week, anger, and then in two weeks from now, envy. So first this week, gossip, I want to look at the Matthew 18 principle, and then secondly, taming of the tongue. So first, the Matthew 18 principle, you, we hear in our gospel, it's called the Matthew 18 principle because we, we're in the 18th chapter of the gospel of Matthew, and it's called the principle because Jesus lays out this principle. It's more of a process that he lays out that we heard. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Notice that the process that Jesus, that Jesus lays out, it protects the guilty. The guilty's protected. It keeps the sin, it keeps the information of what had happened in the smallest possible circle. Right, so if, if I go and tell the person and their fault, and I tell them of their fault between me and him, there's, and if there's confession, if there's forgiveness that takes place, it should end right there. And the reputation then of the guilty is protected. You know, when we hear gossip, we think of, we think of slander, we think of calumny, which are right, saying something about another person behind their back that's false, right? And that's, that's we, we think of that a lot of times with gossip. 
But there's another form of gossip called detraction. Detraction, the definition is this. Detraction is the unjust violation. So unjust, we got to use prudence. Sometimes it's good to do this and we need to do this. But detraction is the unjust violation of the good reputation of another by revealing something true about him. So it's not false, it's true, right? So you, you learn that your neighbor's receiving therapy for addiction that, that they have. And you spread that information to other neighbors as it just comes up casually in conversation and you share that information that you've learned. It's true, but it doesn't need to be shared. And it actually tarnishes his reputation. And these people that you were talking to didn't know about it and they didn't have to know about it. That's the sin of detraction. We as Christians have an obligation to, to not tarnish another person's reputation. Thomas Aquinas actually, when he's talking about the sin of detraction and gossip, he says, he actually places the sin of detraction, he says it's less, it's less grievous, he says, than homicide or adultery, but he says it's actually worse than stealing. So it, it's worse if you, if you were to, if, it's worse than if you were to go to your neighbor's house, break in their house and steal their money or steal one of their possessions. The sin of detraction, Aquinas says. You look at that and you're like, that's weak. Like, how would that be? That's not the case. Why would Aquinas say that? Proverbs 22, verse one, Solomon says, a good name is more desirable than great riches. That's right. A good name is more desirable than great riches. You can, you can take someone's possessions, the riches, the money, things that they have. Maybe they can, they can get them back. But what's more desirable for one is, is their good name, their reputation. Oftentimes it shows up gossip or detraction and what, what I call it, a, a gossip sandwich or detraction sandwich, right? You're talking and you kind of put the gossip right in between something good. You say something good at first and then you, there goes the gossip and then something kind of covered up on, on the back end, right? So it's like Johnny, the, you know, the new mechanic in town, great guy, you know, great, great, great Christian, you know, but you know, I, he's, you know, he doesn't treat his, his wife very well and his kids and but good guy, go, go, go visit Johnny, go to your car, you know, that's who you should go to for your mechanic. Great guy. So I, I could have just left it that he's a great guy, he's a good mechanic, and the person goes visits and gets their car taken care of by Johnny. When me going there, then I don't need to be, I don't need to know that this guy, what the things that the, the, this person had told me. I have an obligation to protect his reputation, even though maybe it's true. Why is this so enticing for us to do that? Why do we do it? Why do we both like to hear it and also give it? I think we, 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 like, we like to be in the know, right? We like to be seen as interesting and have something interesting, right? Something juicy to say and to share. And to hear it, we like to, 
we like to see ourselves as better than someone else, to put ourselves as better than them. So it's like, I want to share this information. Which brings us here, secondly, to taming the tongue, something we need help with. You know, as Catholics, we, we come to Mass, we're on a three-year cycle, right? So we hear the same readings over the course of three years. You know, we hear more readings if you were to come, or if you go to daily Mass or you just look at the daily the Mass readings. But even still, there's, there's so much of the Bible that, you, that we don't see. And one of those passages is the, from the Epistle James, in which we never hear this section in chapter 3 from James. And it, it, James, it has, he, he talks on both the power of the tongue and taming the tongue. And when he talks about the power of the tongue, he says this. Again, chapter 3, he says, he says, take a ship, for example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the captain wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but can do great things. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Little rudder, even though the winds of winds and the sail moves the ship, the little rudder has more course of the direction of that boat than even the sails and the winds. Or a little spark in the fire, a little spark can set an entire forest, a raging, raging set of fire upon the whole forest. Our tongues can do a lot of damage. So I Solomon elsewhere in Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Are our, is our tongue speaking more life or is it speaking more death? So let's get real practical here. Maybe perhaps before we say something, we wanna to try to remember to pause and just ask ourselves before we share information it, it, to ask ourselves, is it true? And is it helpful or hurtful? So remember, everything you say must be true, but not everything that true needs to be said. Everything you say needs to be true, but not everything that true, not everything that is true needs to be said. And so then I, okay, then I move on. Is it helpful or hurtful? If it's hurtful, don't say it. Paul, in, in, a letter, in his letter to the Ephesians, chapter four, he says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Everything you say must be true, but everything that is true does not need to be said. So lastly here, you know, James talks about 
the power of the tongue, and then he moves to the importance of taming the tongue. And he says, humankind tames all water creatures. He can tame reptiles. Humankind has tamed and can tame every kind of beast and bird. In verse 8, he says, but no human being, no human being can tame the tongue. A restless evil full of deadly poison. What's he saying here? The only way to tame the tongue is to transform the heart. Because out of the heart, the mouth speaks. Scriptures say elsewhere. The problem isn't ultimately with our tongue, but it's, it's the sin that runs through every single heart. It's a, it's a sin problem. It's, a, it, it, it's the sin that's the problem in every one of our hearts. So put those, ask ourselves, put those practical maybe questions in our mind to put in place. But we'll find out, what we'll find out is that we'll, we'll find out that, it, that it's in us. Like, I want to do it. We'll find out that we got a problem with our heart, and it's a sin problem, and it goes deep, and it's a problem that you and I can't fix. And that's why God sent his son to die for us on the cross, so that our hearts can be transformed. And so then what comes out of our mouth can uplift. It can encourage and not discourage, right? Because I want to be a man, I want to be a woman that builds people up and not tears them down. When I speak, when I open my mouth, encourage and not discourage. When someone hears me speak, I want my words to be helpful and not hurtful. For my words to not lead to death, but lead to life.